This is the I Work For Him podcast. To make sure you never miss a thing from I Work For Him, subscribe to our email list. Just head to our website at iworkforhim.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, click subscribe, and sign up. We'll send the very latest blogs and podcasts from I Work For Him so you never miss a beat. That's iworkforhim.com. This is producer Michael Marigle. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get to today's program. Hey, thanks for tuning in to I Work For Him this afternoon. As we listen, as you listen to us live, on AM 570, 910, and FM 102.1, but online at iHeartRadio.com, and Talk America Radio, as well as in the podcast world on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Faith Play. However you hear the show today, just know that our guest and myself, we've prayed that the Lord would speak through us and that you would be touched. And this topic today is a topic that all of us need to sit down, slow down, and really, really think about. Sending an email. It's innocent enough, right? Wrong. So often in today's world, we think we're talking with someone when in fact we may be screaming at them or demeaning them or miscommunicating with them. We've lost the art of communication. We call it talking, but it's really texting. We call it talking, but it's really emailing. But there's hope. Take a breath before you respond. Think before you text or email. Think before you hit send. Those words you write can never be retracted. In fact, they'll be on a server for life. But with forethought, you can prevent so much pain and suffering. Today, we talk with Emerson Egerich. He's the founder of Love and Respect Ministries. Love and Respect Ministries, a ministry that Martha and I love so much. Love and Respect is a book we have given away hundreds and hundreds of times. He along, Emerson Egerich, along with his wife, Sarah, who they're, they're authors, they're speakers, they lead marriage conferences. He's passionate about God's perspective on communication in marriage and relationships. Emerson has released a new book, Before You Hit Send, Preventing Headache and Heartache. Emerson Egerich, welcome back to I Work For Him. Hey, thank you, Jim, and thank you for that introduction. Kind words. Yeah, I'm very excited about this topic. As you mentioned, it is very, very crucial to where we're at in our culture. So I, I got to ask you. So, you know, I, as I read the book, you know, I, I, honestly, I struggled the entire day after I read the book, and I told Martha, I'm like, honey, that book smacked me between the eyes so many times I didn't like it. But I liked it. I liked the book because it was so real. But it reminded me of so many times I've screwed up with hitting emails or sending text messages or whatever. You're a marriage and communication expert. You've done, I mean, Love and Respect, one of my favorite books. Martha and I give that to every couple that we mentor. Why did you decide to tackle the issue of written communication in the 21st century? What was it about it that you said, I got to write this book before you hit send? Well, I think this content really has been something I've tried to apply since I was uh, a sophomore in college. And these principles in the book, you know, I did not discover them. Socrates is credited with three of the four that we use as a checklist. And uh, I have tried to operate that way uh, over the years. And my daughter, Joy, who's um, in her mid-30s, She's the one that said, Dad, you know, you, you have a message here. This has been part of who you are, and we need to get that message out. And, of course, it's not a marriage book per se. It's a communication book. Right. But communication uh, applies to the married. It applies to all of us. And so uh, Harper Collins asked me to consider writing this book, particularly in light of the fact that I think we're all cognizant of the fact that we're leaving a digital footprint. And as you referenced, it isn't going to – there's no backspace 
There's no delete. And even though we think we can delete it, there are servers out there that are collecting everything, and someone would have to have their head buried in the sand not to be listening to the news to realize the consequences that people are suffering because they hit send on something. They communicated information that uh, can be collected. And as one person said, everything we write, everything we say on the Internet right now, you, sh- you should be anticipating that that's going to be read in a deposition before the Supreme Court. <laughs> it's so true. Should you decide to run for political office, everything you say can and will be held against you, for sure. All right, so, but a lot of times we write books from our hearts. We write books from our experience. Is there, have you ever had the issue of, you know, this is kind of the opposite of James 119. This is, you know, click before, you know, you know, click send before thinking. This is, you know, James 119 says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. This is quick to send, you know, quick to email and slow to think before you do it all. I mean, has this ever been an issue for Emerson Egrich? Well, it's an issue for every one of us. It's certainly an issue with me. And I think when people say things to me, let's say in an email that hurt me or offend me, I, impulsively I want to re-back or respond back and hit reply or hit send on my correspondence to tell them that they ought not to feel the way they feel, that they've offended me, they've hurt me, we're angry. You know, These are real emotions, and this is an issue in my life. It's an issue in everyone's life that I've ever met. And so the challenge is what do we do at these moments where people – uh, misjudge us, they say things that are incorrect, or we think they are saying things that are incorrect. And uh, is there any checklist of sorts that can guide us so that, you know, <laughs> years ago a guy said, I, I, I not only put one foot in my mouth, I put both feet in my mouth, and then I wondered why I couldn't walk. You know, and many of us need to see that metaphor for what it is, and we end up saying things that we ought not to say. <laughs> that woman said, you know that little thing in the back of your brain that tells you not to say something before you say it? Yeah, I, I, I don't have that little thing. <laughs> you know? I, I have friends that say, my filter, it's really big. I have a big yes. filter. Yeah. Yes, yes. Well, and, and one of the challenges is, do we really believe that if we misspeak, miscommunicate, and it's not just text-to-text, it's voice-to-voice over a cell phone, uh, it is face-to-face. I mean, the before you hit send, is not just dealing with the digital world, it's also dealing with any kind of interpersonal communication. Mm-hmm. And the question is, why... Why would we um, step over certain boundaries? Oh, because we assume that if we're hurt or we're offended or we're angry, that we feel justified and in saying what we are about to say. And maybe we are justified, but, you know, that statement, you can be right but wrong at the top of your voice. And this ends up undermining our credibility. And my question to all of us is, how important is our credibility to us? There are a lot of people today who really don't care. If they live in California, they get on the Internet and somebody in New York says something, they just come at them with Tourette's syndrome, and there is this uh, spewing out. And the question I'm asking people is, does, does your reputation not matter to you? You know, and in terms of the work arena, and you know this, but many business people, owners now, who are about to hire people, after they've gone through an interview, go on that person's Facebook. They're determining the quality of that person, the heart of that person, based on what they're saying on Facebook. And that's reminiscent of what our Lord said, that the the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. And instinctively, these owners know 
that if we read what this person is saying, it's probably going to give us a pretty good indication of who they are and what's in their deepest heart. And our credibility as Christ followers in our workplaces, which is what this show is all about. How do we put our faith into action with what we hear on Sunday and what we do in our 9 to 5? Our credibility is critical if we're going to get that opportunity to share how Jesus Christ has made an impact in our lives. You know, Emerson, you state in the book, before you hit send, preventing headache and heartache, which we'll give away a couple of copies after the bottom of the half hour, you state that in all communication we need four things. What are those four things? Well, I don't want to give away the whole book, but for instance, um, the first one is, is it true? Is it true? Now, all of us would think, well, yeah, you, you need to say what's true, but you know, there are nuances on this. Is it, is it the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And I talk in the book about why we, in this case, wouldn't, you know, say something that's, that's not true. And, it's, and here's what I found. Many people are good-willed. And it's not that they're going to be liars, per se, but let's take a peacemaker. Many of you who are listening are peacemakers. You don't like conflict. And so there's a tendency to prevent conflict and keep the peace by hedging a little bit on the truth. Your heart's in the right place. I click my heels and salute you. Your heart's in the right place. You're a peacemaker. But you and I both know if we sit down and look at it, you know what? You kind of hedged on the truth here to keep the peace. Uh, we might say you might even have lied to keep the peace. And so in the book, I unpack the, the reasons that good-willed, good-hearted people end up compromising on some of these things. And sometimes they have the greatest of intent. But uh, that doesn't mean that it's right. And so the challenge for all of us is to think through, is that which I'm about to say really the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? And uh, that's a challenge because many people today are saying people are lying all the time. People are lying when they don't need to lie. And I guess each of us has to then come to that point as an individual. Do I care enough about myself that I'm, I'm, I'm determined to be a person who speaks the truth and walk in integrity. And how important is that to me? Or do I believe I'm an exception to that? I personally want to encourage all of us to revisit the importance of always trying to speak what is true. We're talking today with Emerson Egerich about his brand new book, Before You Hit Send. Have you ever done that? Have you ever written an email out of haste, out of anger, out of frustration, out of retribution, vengeance, whatever you want to call it, and click send and going? Crap, I probably shouldn't have sent that. Boy, I wish I hadn't have sent that. And then, and then you use, those of you who use Outlook like me, I know I'm ancient, and you click, I want to recall that message. Guess what, people? That doesn't work. Never did work. You can. When you hit send, it's there and done forever, and the damage is permanent. Permanent. We're talking with Emerson Egrich about this book because this concept can change the world. And as Christ followers, we should be leading the way. Emerson, as you wrote this book, I know you probably got feedback from lots of people as you're writing it. What were some of the the positive kudos that you got for? Emerson, I'm really glad you wrote this book because what were some of the things that people said to you about why they love this book? Well, many people have commented on the title itself before you hit sin. They all say, I love this. I love this. I love it, you know, because we all recognize this. I think at the same time, your comments earlier, it's kind of like they read the book and think, oh, wow, wow, because what I tried to do was create the scenarios. This is why I'd love to have this in the hands of every Christian high school student, Christian schools across the country, if they would have this as a signed reading, because the young people need to realize there is a digital footprint, and worldwide web means worldwide, and social media means it's social, and uh, you can't take it back. And so the challenge for us is to get this in the hands of young people would be my, one of my great desires. 
but I think we have the, 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 the two sides of this, great excitement. But then I think, here's what we're up against. We all know that we ought to think before we speak. When we were four years old, our parents told us that. So one of the challenges I'm up against personally is we all kind of know this. I know this information. So part of what I've tried to do in this book is to make it simple. Here's the checklist of four things. Just quickly ask oneself if, in fact, these four all align. In fact, we spent some large dollar sums to see if these four areas are distinct, and the researcher came back and said they were blown away by the statistically significant difference. Each of these are like four legs on a table. And if you don't have one of these in place, it's going to undermine your credibility as a communicator. You will not be effective. And if you're trying to get the right idea across to people, they won't get it, and they'll end up getting the wrong idea. And my question, Jim, is why are we not doing what we all kind of know we ought to do, and that is think before we speak? My question to you is why are we not thinking as clearly as we should before we communicate, whether it's through text, through voice-to-voice, face-to-face. In your opinion, why are people not doing what they instinctively know that they ought to do? Because I, I think as you know, parents, we don't. We trained our kids to speak. We really didn't spend enough time doing proper etiquette with a computer. I mean, I just don't think, or with texting. You know, texting kind of hit us when our kids were in middle school, and and it kind of came on by storm, and I didn't even get it, and I, you know, and so I didn't take any time to say, hey, here's appropriate texting, and then emailing, just understanding that this is real communication. I don't think as parents we spend enough time really talking about it. I know my parents didn't tell me about it because they didn't have any idea, but me, I knew better. I should have spent more time raising my kids up. I'm teaching them all about Christ. I'm teaching them all about what the scriptures have to say, but I never took that James 1.19 and shifted it and said, what you say also includes written communication. I, I really think it's just, it, it's, a parent, it's a parental thing. Well, and my question is, what do you do when you're about to hit send? What are some of the insights you have from your experience? What do you do that guards you? Well, because I'm one of those guys that was known to be foot-in-mouth disease, I don't know if I have ever had both shoes in my mouth, but I'm pretty sure I probably did that I learned because of the mistakes, the pain that it caused by, by the apologies that I had to offer up because of things that I said, that when I'm angry, I will write the email when I'm angry, and then I'll save the draft. And then the next morning I come up, if I still feel like anything I said is valuable, I'll rewrite it. Otherwise, I just file it away. I just stop because I just got tired of the pain of having to apologize. That's what got me to stop, because I realized that words could be so misconstrued, and when you're angry, it comes across in an email. Even when you're not angry, even when you're happy, it comes across wrong sometimes in emails and texting. So I just learned to pause, but that was a really big lesson for me, because I am a steamroller going downhill. Well, and I think that's profoundly stated, and I think every one of us can relate with that, and that's, that's the point that uh, we usually are angry, we're hurt, we're frustrated. And one of the powerful things that you just stated is you wait on this. You, and it's important. Some of us need to write it out. But we, we mustn't have the person's address in the, in the, in the, in the line because uh, how many people have told me they accidentally hit sin when they were just trying to keep it in the draft category? So you remove that person's name and maybe get it out on paper. I know in my case, I write it out, and then I come back the next day, give it 24 hours, and I look at this. Oh, man, that would have, that would have just created, you know. And, and here's the deal. You can say five things to me that are wonderful and one thing that's negative, and what am I going to fix it? 
grade on, Jim. So you're the one thing that's negative. That's exactly right. You know, you get five A's and one D, and you know, and people, as I say, most of us feel badly about ourselves to begin with. We feel a little bit insecure. We certainly don't want to be made to feel worse. And we all have this suspicion that the reason you said those five things is so that you could club me with the one. And the, and the challenge for all of us is that a lot of times we may say the one thing that's just being silly, and they interpret it, though, as sarcasm. And so this is a delicate issue, and we could go through life by saying, oh, it's everybody else's problem. <laughs> but as you point out, we end up rupturing relationships, and then the question is, am I going to go back and apologize? And I think it's just it saves us a lot of time. One of the points I make in the book is, just to your point, you know, because if we do care about people, we are going to go back and apologize, and then you begin to have an incentive for, you know what, I've de- I developed a distaste for the consequences of wrong, wrong decisions, mm-hmm. and we get an incentive in us to cease that. And I think your comments are very, very wise. And the challenge for us is to do what we know. You know, uh, Vince Lombardi, the great coach of the Green Bay Packers, decided he would return to the fundamentals of the game of football every season. And the story is he'd hold up a football before all these players and say, gentlemen, this is a football. You know, you can't get much more basic than that. But I can imagine some big lineman saying, hey, coach, can you go a little slower? And I think the challenge for all of us is to realize we need to slow down here and look at the basics. For instance, this first one, is that which I'm about to say, is it the truth? Is it the truth? Because if it's not true, and we think that I can be misleading if I can outright lie, and do I really believe that this is to my advantage to lie right now, and long term that's going to be to my benefit? What we're up against, though, is there's a political arena out there. There are a lot of arenas that people really do believe if you tell a lie loud enough and long enough and you stay on it and don't apologize or don't say you're not right, uh, that there will be at a certain point a victory. And I'm taking the position, I don't believe that. There's, uh, but, there, but, it's, but unfortunately, when people lie enough, people believe it. Just like, well, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. Well, well how do you know that? Well, just because that's what it is. You know, 50 years ago, when you were in high school and I was just a little bit behind you, we all believed that there was a creator. They've been pushing the lie at us for 50 years that the Earth is billions of years old and everything happened by chance, and people believe the lie today. So I I think there's so much danger in that. But as we talk with Emerson Egerich about his brand new book, Before You Hit Send, Emerson, I want to hit two things. Sarcasm. You mentioned sarcasm. Sarcasm is lost in emails and texting. Nobody understands it. All it is interpreted as is true anger. Isn't that true? Well, absolutely. Or, you know, uh, anger, or you're really just slicing me apart as a human being, you're attacking my character. And I need to say, if we've got a good relationship, if you and I were best of friends since our early days and I said something, you know, it's not going to destroy a relationship because I could say, no, I can see how you read that. I was trying to be silly, but what a stupid comment. And we're good to go. But when we're doing that toward people who don't know us, when we're going on Facebook, and, you know, we have 2,250,000 people following us on Facebook. And, you know, one of my encouragement is for people to think before they say things because you end up just no one listens to you if if you're way out there and you're using sarcasm or if you don't if you don't let your reader know that you're trying to be silly with an icon of some sort uh, 
you know, we end up in just rupturing relationships. And my question is, do we really believe that we're influencing people when we're offending people? I do not believe that at the end of the day we're going to influence the human heart. If we use sarcasm, use anger, tell people off, it just simply doesn't work. And it, 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 it is the question that I'm asking people, why are we doing this? Do we not care? And furthermore, you know, Christ himself said, every careless word we're going to give an account for. And it was very sobering for me. I wasn't raised in the church when I suddenly realized everything I say, I speak before an audience of one. And even though that person out there may have done me wrong, I still have a responsibility before the Lord who loves me to guard my mouth, to guard my lips. This is such an incredible resource, this brand new book of yours. Before you hit send with all of the different breakouts for all your four questions that you ask and then dealing with the 20 or so different responses to those questions and excuses. I mean, the way you break it out is such a phenomenal resource. Emerson, I'm so grateful that you shared it with the iWorkFram audience. I'm so grateful that you're sharing it with hopefully millions and millions and millions of people across the United States of America. Thanks for taking the time to write it. Thanks for coming on iWorkFram. Thank you, Emerson Egrich. And it was a free assessment. They at, can take a free assessment. Right there at beforeyouhitsend.org. Thank you, Emerson. All right, Martha, the conversation with Emerson, and I know you were listening in as mm-hmm. a, 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 so fast-moving with Emerson. He, he's so, I mean, he's just, he's just got so much to say. It was so great. What was the biggest takeaway for you as you listen into that conversation uh, about his book, Before You Hit Send? Well, I think that, Number one, that I think the four steps that are the questions that he tells you to ask yourself or the keys or whatever, um, they're simple. This is not a tough concept other than we get our emotion in the way and we, you know, we think and we don't think practically. And so I think it's very much an encouragement to hey, be able to hey, say, I I can do Jose, this. We, got, we got three callers. Go ahead and wow. get all their names. We'll figure out a way to take care of them. Just get all three names. All right, but we, we're done. We don't have any other copies. So <laughs> nice job <laughs> calling fast. in. I'm sorry to interrupt you. You know, Emerson okay. has in the book, and the whole book is based on these four questions, and then he delves into this in such depth. It's yeah. fantastic. And I love that he said, I don't want to give it all away. They well, got to read the book. <laughs> I'm going to give away a little bit of it because he, just telling these four questions, he takes this and digs this out to such depth. Is this communication true? Is this mm-hmm. communication kind? Is this communication necessary? Is this communication clear? And as Emerson said, the first three, based on something that Socrates said 2,300, 2,200 years ago, asking true, kind, necessary, clear. I just, I love that. We Boy. might need to add this to our marriage mentoring list of books that we want to go it, through. It, it may be, because this is something that people really struggle with. I know that this is something, and I shared a little bit with Emerson, this is something mm-hmm. that I, you can attest to the audience, honey. This is something that I have struggled with. I used to be a flamogram thrower. <laughs> and you got me to just say, yeah, maybe it's okay to type it out, but don't send that. Yeah, and I loved his little tip, you know, make sure the address isn't, <laughs> email address isn't in the two line, because there have been more than once where I've been working on something and I've been so paranoid about that, you know, in the moment. So um, that's a good little tip for yeah, I like, our listeners. I like that. I like that. Make sure, I always put it just, I just address it to me. To and yourself. then I And then I write it out and I just vomit all of the vitriol in my, in my body out on there. I type it up and then I save it. And then I just wait. And most mm-hmm. of the time, after I grow up, 30 minutes to 24 hours later, I'm like, oh, I'm going to file that so I can remember how I felt, but I'm not going to send that because that just sounds like you're three. So, 
So you said you both talked about waiting, um, but does he address in the book anything about praying? Because I think that that's a <laughs> wow. really important step um, in the process because we need the Lord to reveal to us, is there something here I do need to communicate? You know, I'll, I could write a sequel. No, I'm just kidding. But I really think that that's important that we just talk about that, that, you know, that's a key element. Um, and the prayer will help us to discern if it's true, kind, necessary, and clear. Wow. Martha brings in the spiritual depth for the show today. Well, it's just so true. It is just so true. And I, you know, I read the book. I finished it on Sunday. I'm just trying to remember. It said so many things. I think the intent is overall that your spirit should be at peace before you hit send, before you click. I don't know that it said pray. I just don't know. But you're well, but maybe you're, people will need to get a copy and read it for themselves well, and it, then they can it's so I, I agree. It's just got mm-hmm. so much stuff in there. But yes, prayer. And I'm sure it's probably in there and I just missed it. I mean it's two hundred and seventy pages and I read it really, really, really fast and I kept underlining going. I mean, you remember what I said to you after I read it, and you said, yes. what, 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 what'd, you, what'd you ask me? Do you remember what you asked me? I don't know what I asked you, but it was to the you know extent that you responded, something like, I just really got to like chew on all of this. This is this was tough. It beat me um, and up. Good. It... And good. But you understood it. You related to it. It's very, very relevant. Jim, I just opened one page, and it said, um, one question I was asking God was, how should I show love and respect towards a hurtful person? So, I mean, throughout the book, it's talking about asking God for direction and, and wisdom and stuff. But And he didn't make it as a step in it. But um, I think that, you know, that's where the answer is about prayer. Yeah, so. it, it it's a it's good. I loved mm-hmm. it, and I wanted to make sure we told people about it. Emerson's been such a great guest in the past. He's always so busy. It's really hard to get a half an hour with him, but we're so grateful that he gave us the time today, gave away the book. So we, I mean, wow, it resonated yeah. with a lot of people because a lot of people out there are going, "Hey, I've done that stupid thing." Because well, we could write a book. Of, yeah, and and it doesn't have to be the true email. You know, the 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 picture that we have in our head. We say things we wish we could take back. We, you know, look at people away we wish we could take back. You know, there's a lot of things that we do because we just don't use the um, these four questions to ask ourselves, you know, is that really what I should be doing? Yeah, a lot so, of times I'm halfway challenge. through a sentence before I start asking those questions and I'm going, mm-hmm. wow, mm-hmm. maybe I should have just been quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That, that's a great verse, James oh, one nineteen. Fabulous verse. It, it is is one of those ones that I'm constantly reminded about. So I, I'm grateful that you guys all tuned in today and you heard this. Martha and I wanted to kind of shift the conversation for the last part of the show and just share some things from our hearts. Baby, I'll just get. Is there anything else from that conversation with Emerson you want to make sure we hit before we move on? Well, you know, I just think maybe um, just encouraging people to check out their, his website. Did you? I don't remember if you. No, it was right that at the at end, all. and I didn't want to cut him off. And so, but yeah. yes, at the, the website is beforeyouhitsend.org. Beforeyouhitsend.org. You go out there, you can, you can get a copy of the book, but you can also take a free assessment on your communication skills. It took me about fifteen minutes to go through it, fifteen <laughs> to twenty minutes, uh, which and it was depressing. Um, <laughs> Because uh, I this is real this one really resonated with me because I have this is something I've really struggled with that whole just like so, you know. so talk about that what what did you get from the assessment it just it told you what I mean did it, it, it tell told you me, where to work it, it on? helped me identify where I'm at and okay. what I need to work on 
Okay. And it referenced me back to specific pages in the book to read about how I should respond. Because in each of under each one of those questions, is the communication true, kind, necessary, and clear? He had different people's responses and different ways we should respond and different ways that would be like the people's reaction to the response. I mean, it was, he, he broke it out for, he just made it simple enough for us simple people uh, that, that, hey, here's the 20 different types of responses. And uh, it, it, it was great. I mean, I, I loved that. It wasn't just, here's a textbook way to respond. Oh, well, if you're one of these people, like, like for instance, let me just, let me just pull up one of these sections since you, you got me. This. I did. I loved it, but it hurt me. It hurt me bad. Yeah. But you know, you said something the other day while you're looking that up. Um, you said, if I can help other people learn earlier in life, the things I'm learning now, then I will feel way more, way valuable and, and fulfilled because you know, the heartache of doing something wrong and then learning, okay, here's some steps to help me do it better. That's why we talk about this on the air. That's right. why we have people like Emerson come on and talk about his book because this is an excellent resource that and people can use. They could give it out in your office. How great would that be for this, the culture oh of my a gosh. business? Every manager should have a class on this. Everybody in the in an, every organization should read this because everybody, hey, just raise your hand if, if you're driving, raise only one. If you've ever sent, click send, hit send before you should have and then had to apologize or eat crow or whatever because you did it. Mm. Everybody's raising their hand. We've all done it. So like in the chapter under why do we communicate what is untrue? And he, and he talks about, you know, like the fearful people. Honestly, I dread the consequences over past missteps, so I cover them up. That's why I lie. The selfish. What can I say? Lying works to my advantage, advancing my agenda. That's the selfish response. And then it goes on to, hey, here's a reason why you shouldn't do that. I mean, it just goes on. It's very specific. I really, I just liked the approach. It was very clear. It's a great book. Uh, and we gave away all of our copies. So I was so going to find get... your local Christian bookstore if, yes. and get yourself a copy because this is a new release. The, Emerson is a huge name. People should be able to find this on the shelves of their local store. Pick up some copies, order them for your whole office for Christmas. That's a great idea. It's a great idea. Put a idea. big bow on it and say, hey, we're going to read this in January. Before you hit send.org, before you hit send.org. Okay, so let's shift gears a little bit and let's talk about our 16-day road trip and what the Lord did. And I want to point out one thing as we're closing out the <laughs> segment on, on, today's, on this segment. We come back in a second. A week ago, Martha and I were traveling across Texas, across Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, and the, the panhandle of Florida. I will tell you, from the day we left on November 16th to the day we returned on December the 2nd, we didn't see a drop of rain. Today, however, had we, this been a week later, we would have driven through snow, sleet, rain, tornadoes, flooding, the whole deal. And sadly, fires. And fires, because we were in we were in California, just outside San Diego, where last night fires are ravaging through San Diego. This is incredible how the Lord provided for us and made uh, us kept us safe. When we come back, Martha and I are going to share some of the amazing things we experienced as you heard the live shows. But what's the Lord doing in our work for Him? What's it look like for us coming up? We've had such a privilege to meet people from all across the country who are living out I work for him 
every day. And just we just got back from that 16, actually it was 17-day road trip, parts of 17 days, <laughs> where we drove from sea to shining sea, uh, which it was fantastic, leaving here and driving all the way to the Pacific Ocean in just outside of San Diego, California, and L.A., and, and then back. When you look at what the Lord has done this year and I work for him, and specifically in this last trip, what's the biggest What's the biggest thing that God has said to you or shown you as we've done that traveling? Well, I think one of the things that I've heard loudest is the fact that God is stirring in the hearts of a lot of people in a lot of places, um, showing them that their work is important, that they've been given uh, skills, gifts, talents, abilities, directly from the Lord and that what they do in their workplace and the people that they encounter in their workplace, really understanding that that's their mission field. um, God is stirring that up in people's hearts and we're getting the pleasure of, um, I don't know if you want to say uncovering them or, you know, uh, learning more about them and sharing it with our listeners. And that is one of the things that has been what I've been hearing most loud and clear is the fact that, you know, we tell people what we talk about is not just for Tampa Bay. This is for every Christ follower and pre-Christians to understand that work is not a curse. I mean, there's so many things, so many lessons we learn from the people that we bring on the air. But the fact that, um, you know, the Holy Spirit's just really active in this area of of helping people to see their work differently. Yeah, and if there's anything that's been clear to me is that as we have met people now in, I don't know, 15 or 20 states, I, I've lost track. We should we should do a map, baby. Put in the office and, and put a little, you know, those thumbtack things in there. You mean those... where we've actually traveled? Yeah, where we've, we've met all people. people. Yeah, where we've met people. No, I mean where we've met people either by phone or by oh, okay. just like all the states we've hit. But oh, yes. one thing that's made clear is that every time we talk to somebody, they say, Oh, we need to get your show on the air in our city. We this is a message every every Christ follower needs to hear. This this is just so true. We're so excited to be part of what you're doing because this is my story of how the Lord helped me to understand that I need to put my faith into action in my workplace and and it's I want to use the word you know we're exposing their testimonies but that's that word gets twisted so much but we're just digging deep and we want to hear those testimonies we want to share them all over the country because there like you said there is a move um, by God in in Christ followers all across the nation that hey I realize now that my workplace is my mission field it's a place of ministry each mm-hmm. and every day yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think that we've both have been encouraged just by the caliber of people that we've been able to meet and what the Lord's doing in their life and the, and the testimony that they're being at work. And it's not always the boss. We're not talking about just the owners of organizations. Now, a lot of times we highlight that either because they're sponsoring the show or, um, you know, that's the end game, but there are a lot of people that, um, are making an influence exactly where God has them. Whatever chair they're sitting in in their workplace, they're allowing God to use them there. Well, yeah, I think one of the fun, you know, just recently in the last several months, one of the, I just, I loved the testimony of the air conditioner guys from Aqua Plumbing and Air and they how they mm-hmm. shared that they're doing air conditioning maintenance and service 
it, the ministry there. I, I just loved that. I, it was moving to me because we've had people share from so many different walks of life. And, uh, you know, we're working on shows for, for January and we're going to do a complete Tampa focus, Tampa Bay focus in January, because we really believe that as we start expanding across the country, as the Lord provides several hundred dollars a day for us to be able to expand into different cities to be able to broadcast. When we get into those cities, we're going to do an all-out focus on what is the Lord doing in this city or that city. But for now, but for now, on the month of January, before we start that expansion, we're going to highlight on all 23, 22 of the broadcast days in January, all about what's the Lord doing? People you've never heard from before on iWorkRam, what is the Lord doing in their workplace? What's that workplace look like? I just... I'm excited to, to uncover some more stories from all over Tampa Bay and then start yes. doing it in cities across the country. So let me address that just for a minute because people can watch our Facebook page because by this weekend, I will have um, a, an opportunity out there for people to nominate someone that they think should um, be participating in one of our shows to share their story of how they are allowing God to use them in their workplace. And that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to engage the I Work For Him audience. And, and you know, as, as part of our audience, if you've not liked our page, if you like to listen to our show, but you can't always tune in when we're on the air live in Tampa Bay, you know you can always sign up for the podcast. Go to iWorkForHim.com and, and click in... Uh, subscribe to the podcast, but you can also listen live on iHeartRadio, letstalkfaith.com, and just go to our webpage and just click on listen live every day at three o'clock right now, Eastern. But that may even change. We're trying to expand this to where we're able to reach people all over the place, but we want to hear from you guys. So please like our page, but then engage with us. Let us know what you're thinking and let us hear from your hearts of about people that you've uncovered that are living it, living it wild in their workplace. I mean, for instance, we consistently, when Martha and I travel north out of Florida, exit 301 on I-75, <laughs> there's a McDonald's. And the manager of that McDonald's, her name is Patty. And she lives out her faith each and every day. And every time we get a chance and we're driving by there, last time we were in the drive-thru, Martha, I remember this, it was dark, so she was working a night shift. And, and, I, and I said to the drive-thru young lady, I said, hey, is Patty here today? And and she goes, Miss Patty, somebody's had to drive through for you. And, and uh, that was my week. Uh, southern southern explanation or southern Mm -hmm. voice because Mm -hmm. that's the south when you get up there and and patty came to the window i just said patty i want to have you on the show but she's not yet agreed so now i've just vetted her and said hey if you're at exit 301 (laughs) go to mcdonald's at exit 301 that's right go see miss patty at exit 301 mcdonald's on i-75 no they didn't pay for that i just want you to meet patty because she's touching people every day she greets people in the lord's name as people walk in it's incredible it's just absolutely incredible. All right, so the road trip. Now, we did 5,685 miles in 16 days plus a few hours. When you look at that road travel, did it make you weary like it made me weary? Well, I think you know the answer to that. Well, I want to share you with everybody our, else. You everybody never thinks you're a super here. person. Of course it made me weary. I mean, it was, inc- it was energizing. Um, it was a lot of busyness. And sleeping in a lot of different beds, and God sustained us through it. Of course, we made the you know the marathon last jaunt, which always makes you tired. And twelve hundred miles, eighteen hours. Yeah, and we finished it at midnight with a bag of 
Dorito chip pretzel thing that was, was probably my biggest mistake. That, I know I wasn't going to say what they were, but um, you know that was probably our biggest mistake of the whole trip, right there. No, um, but that. It was tiring, but it was energizing. And when we were with the people that we were meeting and having just great conversations, um, that's just so refreshing. And Well, let's talk but, about that. Let's okay. talk about that last night. The last night, we're sitting with Tony and Felicity Dale from yes. Sidera Health and the Karis Group. They've been on the show many, many times. They're, they're all about uh, small churches. We're sitting there having a conversation with them under the moonlight in, just outside of Austin, Texas. And what did the Lord show us? Mm, this was cool because we were talking about our week and who we had met and they were commenting. I mean, basically they knew everyone who we had stayed with and yet none of these people were reconnected to by each other. Um, so God really wove together our itinerary and who we would see and who would be on the radio and how they were already networked together. And we were just kind of one of those pieces of thread in the tapestry that was part of the weaving. We believe that I work for him and the people that we've had on this show, because this show has always been about other ministries. We believe that I work for him will be part of the catalyst in your community, wherever you are in your country, to gather together, to help ministries, to collaborate to work together for the kingdom, impacting people in their workplace, no matter where they are, so we can reach some people and and, and teach them about Jesus in a place where they go to work, because they're not mm-hmm. going to go to church. And, and that's what's so exciting about what God showed us, is that he's starting to make all these connections, yet none of those people we had on the air last week introduced us to the other people we had. I mean, it was all connections from other places, but yet they were all connected, and, I, and that was really cool, wasn't it? It was. Martha, we got to say goodbye to our audience for this afternoon, but it was so much fun. Just what a what an action packed day talking with Emerson Egerich, talk a little bit about what the Lord did on our last trip. I want to thank Rod, LaBoy, and Bob for calling in and winning the books. We'll get those out to you next week sometime. Thank you, thank you all for listening. Check us out on Facebook. Get involved with us on Facebook. Give us some feedback, but make sure you let us know you're listening. You've been listening to your to the I Work For Him radio program with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I work I for work him. I work for him.